the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse? Then I realize we get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of Bud Elliott's Summer School, where we talk college football. Today it's LSU. For that, I'm bringing on Glenn West of Go 24/7. Glenn, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Bud. I appreciate you for having me on. How is how are things? Doing well, man. I enjoy listening to Go 24/7 podcasts as well, and uh, just keeping myself up to date on everything LSU. So uh, a fine start. For, for Brian Kelly, 10-4 and four in his first year, winning the SEC West there. Top 15 in all the power ratings, top 10 in many. Uh, kind of an interesting year. Like, they they were kind of, like, badly outplayed by Auburn. A&M controlled the game. They got smoked by Tennessee, smoked by Georgia. And they turned around, they hammered Ole Miss. They hammered Florida. They easily handled Mississippi State. And they, honestly, like, I thought outplayed Alabama by more than the score indicated though they had to win it win it late what did you make of brian kelly's first year certainly a swing of of emotions in terms of just how this team started when you talk about the the florida state loss and all of the the fundamental issues that really cropped up early in that game i think probably the biggest thing that we were told or that we had heard about brian kelly coming in was the one thing that you're not going to have to worry about is a team that's fundamentally sound. I mean, that's that's something that's a baseline for what he expects all of his teams to be. Um, and certainly with some of the special teams blunders that were cropping up in that game, um, I know you're a big Florida State guy, so I had to throw that in there. But, yeah, uh, just, yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest takeaway here, I, I guess, in year one was just an LSU team that still was – finding uh, a culture and finding a foundation of which to build its program on uh, took them a little while to get there. I think the, the, the Alabama game there was, was one that uh, certainly had things looking in the right direction. And you got yourself into a, a potential college football playoff picture uh, by the regular season finale against Texas A&M, not able to close. I think that's probably the, the, the first year jitters in terms of trying to find a, a you know, a, a foundation to build on, uh, those guys just really uh, kind of, you know, I would say struggled for a little bit, but it was, wasn't was unexpected to to kind of have that season roll out the way that it did. Um, Ten and four is still something that you can really build on here in year two 
got a lot of your returning foundation offensively coming back for year two um, and, and a lot of new exciting young pieces to plug in on defense as well. So uh, I, I think it's just a, a, a situation where it was it was exactly kind of, I think, what you would expected from year one uh, under Brian Kelly, what you'd hope for to get to 10 wins and really kind of put yourself in the conversation for uh, for a college football playoff berth. So the offense, and we'll transition there since you mentioned it, it, it really improved, I thought, pretty much every game down the stretch except for maybe the Arkansas game. Like, I'm looking at my numbers. They kind of scored above the expected points in pretty much every ball game. Um, I'll ask you about Jaden Daniels. So he's back. He apparently is going to be the starter holding off Garrett Nussmeyer. And what, what does he do that the coaching staff likes so much? I think it's his dual threat ability to run and and, and obviously throw the ball. Uh, he was very accurate on short and intermediate routes, and probably one of the biggest things that they've worked on with Jaden this this off season has just been his aggressiveness downfield. I mean, that was something that if you go back and watch the tape, he didn't take a ton of shots last year. I think there was some hesitancy on his part in terms of okay, which guy can I really trust to go up and get a fifty fifty ball that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he he built a nice you know, chemistry with Malik neighbors and uh, certainly first year tight end uh, Mason Taylor. Um, But outside of that, there really wasn't a consistent threat uh, that LSU had to rely on game to game. And I think part of that was because uh, Jaden was really quick to run last year. That was something that we, we we talked about a lot in season was how can we get him to stay in the pocket, make his reads and not be so quick to use his feet. Um, and, And that's something that they've really worked on this spring. I think they've, uh, that he's really taken to heart. I mean, he took a couple shots in the spring game that were really important, and um, you know, you're not going to open up the playbook or anything in the spring game, but you'd like to see at least some, uh, you know, the improvements made in that respect. And yeah, in, in terms of holding off Garrett Nussmeyer, I think that's a great way to put it. I think Nussmeyer is a guy that's coming. He's somebody that's uh, in the program for a reason. He, he elected not to enter the transfer portal uh, this this off season, so he's going to be sticking around. Uh, at least through December now, and you know, you hope that the you know the the kind of the projection here is that you get Daniels for a year, you get Nussmeyer in for the next couple years uh, as your starter, and that that really leaves the LSU quarterback situation in a really nice spot uh, for the next couple of years. That's that's an embarrassment of riches. I mean, I I think I'd rather have Nussmeyer than about half. But looking at the schedule, here, about half the quarterbacks LSU is about to face on, on its SEC schedule, just from. See, you know, I got to see him in person against Purdue and, and then obviously the SEC title game. I, I think your point about protecting the ball and, and being a threat with the legs makes sense. You know, only three interceptions for, for, um, for Daniels and 1,085 rushing yards is, is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, and yet I feel like this team can't make the jump if teams don't actually fear the downfield stuff. I, I, am I wrong to think this receiver room is just sick? Like, I love Malik Neighbors. Da- yeah. Daniels underthrew him or just missed him. I, a lot last year. Like he turned touchdowns into 30 yard gains. It felt like with some of these throws and like Brian Thomas and Lacey, maybe I'm too high on these guys. I, I think this is like a really nice receiver room. No, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I think some of the resources that they used this off season was to attack the vertical game. And you, you got Chris Hilton back, who's a former five star uh, that you're hoping he can stay healthy. You brought in Aaron Anderson from Alabama, another vertical threat. Um, Brian Thomas has proven to be a big play threat as well. I think it's really just about finding the chemistry with those guys and making uh, you know, making sure that Daniels knows that he can be aggressive. He can make some mistakes downfield. 
But as long as he keeps taking those shots, they're also going to make some big plays for him as well. And I think that was a big part of this spring for LSU in terms of how they're going to figure that out and what that offense is going to look like. Um, I, I think probably the the vertical passing game is going to take a step up. Um, but the, the other question mark, I think, for the offense is the running back situation. They have a couple of backs that are banged up right now that um, didn't go through spring, um, guys that were a little bit older and – uh, you don't really know, I think, what to expect from them in terms of their injury histories. Um, so that's that's an area that LSU certainly looked at here in the second portal cycle. And, um, you know, the, the, the complement of the run game is going to be extremely important for LSU to kind of have the season they want to have next year. That line will be running uh, behind – or excuse me, those, those backs will be running behind the line with – to me, it's very impressive that LSU won the SEC West playing two freshmen – many games at, at offensive tackle. Like, that's not easy to do. Can this line take a big step and be the best in the SEC or, or close to it? Absolutely. I mean, Will Campbell and Emory Jones is a great start there, and you have Miles Frazier who's coming back for a second year. Uh, the guy they got out of the transfer portal was the number one O-lineman, I think, in our rankings last year. Um, you've got Garrett Dellinger, who's a veteran, who's been around for a little while. Uh, Charles Turner is a center that they really, really like. Um, and then, you know, they have five fre- uh, five freshmen and transfers coming in uh, after this spring uh, that are really going to add to the mix. I mean, Zalance Hurd is a five-star on our services right now. I could easily see a situation where Hurd is immediately ready to, to kind of jump in as a tackle, um, and maybe you slide Emory Jones in to guard, and then you're looking at a really big, really consistent, really veteran experience group um, with, with a lot, a lot of talent. And so I, I think that this offensive line is probably the one group that's poised uh, to take a major leap. And that's that's good for this offense. That's good for this team. If they stay healthy, I, I don't see any way that they don't jump from like top 40 to at, at least top 15 right. as a unit here. That's There's just too much talent there, I think, overall. Glenn, let, let's shift over to the defense. Uh, year one under Matt House, uh, all the defensive ratings pretty much consistent, top 25. Really nice, nice job that they, they did and, and kind of carrying the team while the offense found its, its footing, I guess. Uh, but they do lose – they lose Roy, they lose Ali Gay, and they lose Ojolari, right? Am I missing anybody? Yep. They lost Ojolari. They lost Jay Ward, who was a big piece of their secondary. Um, they lost Bernard Converse and uh, Makai oh, Garner. right. Yeah, on the back uh, end. No, yeah. for sure. Uh, up front, like, Mason Smith, Wingo. Do we know what the health status is on these guys? Like, I, I, they didn't yeah. play the spring game. Yeah, so uh, Mason Smith is really close to a return. He was actually doing individual drills towards the end of spring practice. They just didn't want to throw him out in the game and risk risk anything. They want him to be full full go for for fall camp. They expect him to be full go. They expect Makai Wingo to both be uh, fine for for fall camp to go full contact. Oh, awesome! That's that's huge news. Then, I mean, just given the Mason Smith, if our listeners at home or, or viewers don't know, former like number one defensive tackle prospect, a stud, got hurt in the FSU game, like we mentioned, to, to open the show. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What does it say about the confidence that this staff has in the pass rush that it's actually playing Perkins at linebacker instead of edge rusher? Like, Do we read into that? Yeah, I think you absolutely should read into that because I think one of the LSU's biggest uh, needs of addressing that they had this offseason was the defensive line. They brought in several transfer portal guys. They brought in uh, Paris Shand. Ovi Agofu is a guy from Texas who has a lot of pass rushing experience. Um, they, they, Brayden Swinson's a guy that they really like. Deshaun Womack is a true freshman that they signed that feels, uh, you know, he was a little bit banged up this spring as well, but he's going to be ready for full contact in the fall. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely think this defensive line is poised to be um, probably one of the more efficient and most effective in the SEC next year um, if everybody can stay healthy. And that's the biggest caveat with this group right now is that they do have uh, some injuries that they have to overcome and uh, making sure those guys are full, fully ready for the fall camp is, is, is extremely important. But in the meantime, it's allowed LSU to be more versatile with how they use Harold Perkins. He was uh, working a lot with inside linebackers this offseason, certainly this spring. Um, you know, he, he was working mostly first and second down inside linebacker. Then they kind of shipped him over to that jack spot uh, on third down. Uh, that's that's kind of, I think, the the strategy for at least now. We'll see if anything changes in the fall. Um, you you want to be able to use Perkins in a variety of ways because offenses are going to be star, pencil, underline sharpie and every every single you know opposing offense is going to be doing that with harold perkins at the top of that list so you you mentioned Ovi, so we covered him i want to ask you about oregon state transfer uh, omar space who they also took at linebacker what are the early returns on him and, and do you think he's going to play a, a major role oh yeah i think he's probably going to be your, your second inside linebacker starter he was getting all the first team reps they really like his leadership they like his calming presence here uh as a linebacker to come in and really pick things up quickly and i mean he was a four-year starter at, at oregon state and did a really nice job i think had close to 400 tackles in his career so that's just a guy that i think is ready to to, to play big SC, big time sec football I think he's a seamless fit here for the linebacker and for the middle of this defense and has really helped shape, uh, I think, Harold Perkins a little bit too this spring. He's taken him under his wing a little bit in terms of how to, you know, really adjust to that inside linebacker role. And I think it's worked out well for LSU. And uh, looking at my notes and, and things from, from last year to figure out what I was going to ask you, uh, I stumbled upon the, the run defense in the final two SEC games, gave up almost 600 yards on the ground, which is not good, but also like not what they had done for the most part of their SEC schedule. And that was A&M in Georgia for, for the listeners at home. Is that something those teams just found? Was it a, did certain guys not be able to play because of injury? Cause like, that's a little bit of a concerning trend if it's actually a trend. 
Yeah, that's it. It was a very concerning trend, and I think it's something that they had to address because they were not very deep on the interior last year, and that's why they went out and they they got Paris Shand out of the transfer portal. They got Jordan Jefferson out of the transfer portal. Jalen Lee from Florida is a big defensive tackle that they really like out of uh, out of the transfer portal. Um, and then you you get Wingo and you get Smith coming back. I think that's that's a good nucleus there to help you really get back to what you wanted to do. Uh, as an interior run defense, I think probably the biggest uh, silver lining to Smith getting hurt last year was Wingo. Uh, he he able who's able to start all the games last year and really established himself. I think as a really elite option as a run stuffer uh, on the interior. That was a part of his game that he really focused on prior to last season, uh, and it paid off. And so you're hoping that those two guys, with some of the veteran depth you have behind them. Uh, can really help you improve uh, with the run defense because it, it was a, certainly an, an area where teams were were looking to to kind of hit LSU last year towards the end of the season because they were so banged up. So if you're listening so far, you're probably thinking like, this sounds like a national title team as long as Daniels improves as a passer. Uh, and I wouldn't disagree, and maybe you don't disagree with that so far, but I got to ask you about the secondary. Yeah. So they lose five of their top seven guys by snap count off the of secondary last year that they – kind of pieced together out of the transfer portal. And now they're looks like they're trying to do it again. They're bringing in a bunch of transfer portal guys again. Can you sort this out both in terms of like who do we think is going to play and, and, and what is your level of confidence in, in corner and safety? Yeah, sure. The, the 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 cold water you can certainly pour on LSU's championship hopes is is the secondary at the moment. I think um, that was probably one area that we didn't really know a whole lot to of what to expect coming in because they just – had a one-year stopgap with a bunch of veteran players, and then they had to recharge and, and refill that room up again. And, um, yeah, you have Greg Brooks and Major Burns coming back at safety. I think that's a nice uh, nice one-two tandem there to kind of help you feel good uh, about your safety prospects. They don't have a ton of depth at safety, which is why I think LSU's certainly dipped their toes into looking at uh, the transfer portal here the last week or so uh, and maybe adding a piece there. Uh, but the cornerback room is the biggest uh, point of concern, I think, if you're if you're LSU. Um, Zy Alexander is a guy they brought in from the portal. Denver Harris, J.K. Johnson, these are former top 50 players uh, in the country that didn't work out at their first stops. Um, and it's 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 going to be a, a process. It's going to be a process of getting those guys up to speed. Uh, Brian Kelly said really after the spring game uh, that they have a lot of faith and potential of those guys. Um, but they're young. They're young and they're raw, and it's going to take some time for them to get implemented into the into this system. Um, and so that's that's you, know, you saw it in the spring game as well. They got you know missed tackles. They got beat a bunch uh, by the first team offense. It really was not a, a a pretty day for the secondary. And so if there's some cold water to pour on LSU's championship hopes, I think it definitely comes in the secondary uh, and who you're going to be able to rely on come fall. LSU definitely plays at least some. <laughs> Some good and some at least veteran passing offenses within the first you know two months of the season. FSU, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss before they get kind of a break with like Missouri, Auburn. That FSU uh, game is going to be so important for both those teams. Yeah. I mean, that could really be the difference between hosting or being in a New Year's Six Bowl or being in the college football playoff for both of those teams. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you lose it, you really don't have any more margin for error. You no, know? and no. if you if you win it, you have you, you kind of can, can lose a ball game, I think, and still make it. Uh, so you, you mentioned Brooks and Burns. Did those guys, those guys miss the spring game too, right? 
Yeah, so like, uh, Burns did. Okay? He has a bit of an ankle injury. Brooks missed some time with the sprained ankle, but he was back for the spring game. Okay. Uh, didn't look 100%, though. Um, didn't play a whole ton. Um, but but they, they expect both of those guys to be ready for fall camp. The, the, the one guy that, uh, of all the injured pieces that LSU had this year, or this spring, that is going to be uh, fall camp for sure, might might not be quite 100% is Armani Goodwin, the running back. They think he'll be back for fall camp, but you know, Mason Taylor is going to be back. Mason Smith and and certainly those secondary pieces are all going to be uh, in, in the running for competition here to come fall. Awesome. Uh, Glenn, so what, what's the one position on, on this ball club where you would say the starters are just way better than the backups? Um, At this point, I would probably lean towards the offensive line um, just because a lot of the offensive line that they've brought in are freshmen. There, there are a lot of young pieces here that – um, you, you have to figure out what you have in them first and they just haven't been on the field yet. So, um, and, and they have a very, I mean, they're not a very veteran offensive line, but they're very experienced. And so they have a lot of second and third year guys who started all of last year, who had that experience of being full-time starters in the sec. Um, I, I think it can be one of the best starting lineups or starting offensive lines in the sec, uh, next year based off what they have coming back. The depth behind them is where you're really going to see uh, just just how LSU was able to adapt because they 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 shuffled in it, them in and out. They had a bunch of veteran guys enter the portal that weren't getting playing time, and they replaced them with young young talent. Uh, we just got to see if that young talent can hold up uh, in the fall. Glenn, really appreciate you joining us here on the Bud Elliott Summer School. Check out Cover Three. Check out Go Twenty Four Seven Podcast. That is G E A U X. Got the. Got the LSU oh, yeah. style spelling there. Don't just Google G-O. That's not it. Um, awesome, man. And we will catch you probably again on the show before the season starts. Absolutely. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.